Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mom and Dad are Fighting is brought to you by BowlandBranch.com, offering luxury bedding at affordable prices. Order right now, and they'll give you 20% off plus free shipping. Get sheets, towels, blankets, duvet covers, and more at BowlandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D. B-R-A-N-C-H dot com and use the promo code mom and dad. And by Little Passports. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with a subscription to Little Passports. Mom and Dad are fighting listeners can save 40% on their first month today with the promo code mom and dad. Learn more at littlepassports.com slash mom and dad. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 29th, the Extreme Bedtime Edition. I'm Allison Benedict, an editor at Slate and the mom of Harry 7, Sam 5, and Wally 3. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm also an editor at Slate. I'm the dad of Harper, who is 8, and Lyra, who is 11. Hey, Dan. Hello. On today's show, we will talk to Slate columnist Melinda Wenner-Moyer about absurdly early bedtimes for kids. Then Dan will propose a new summer tradition, and we will discuss and force it upon all of you. Also, parenting triumphs and fails, a listener call about a tough childcare decision, and recommendations. And for our Sleep Plus segment, I'm excited about this, Double uh, X Gab Fest host, Invisibilia host, and friend of the show, Hannah Rosen, will share a special bar mitzvah-themed parenting triumph or fail. Very exciting. Hey, if you like the show... Come and like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Allison, did you know that in the modern sharing economy of social journalism, editors are now paid exclusively in likes? Yes. I now pay my mortgage with likes. I feed likes to my kids. It's amazing. Our Facebook page is where you can like us, feed our kids, and also commiserate with our fails, talk parenting dilemmas with listeners, and suggest topics that we should discuss on future shows. In past weeks, the page has become an amazing clearinghouse for great vegan recipes and great tips for dealing with socks. I have not seized on any of those tips. The status of our socks is still in the basket. Facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Wait, you're leaving out one other great what is Hamilton. I've never heard of them. Oh, right. You can also email Allison and tell her that you also don't know what Hamilton is. Another amazing thing it to do on Facebook. It feels good. Page. It feels good to put that on Facebook. Okay. On to triumphs and fails. You go first. Okay, I have a fail this week. Uh, The fail is that I am afraid of Harper's braces. (laughs) Okay. I I feel like it's strange that I don't even know Harper has braces. Harper is getting braces. She is in the first stages of getting braces. Yeah. Which means that she has like a little apparatus inside her mouth that is slowly meant to like – it's an expander. It's meant to spread her teeth a little bit because one of the reasons she's getting braces is to – provide some room inside her mouth for some teeth to come in in the future. Uh, But I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid of 
her braces and I and I am I feel weak and useless as a result. Let's um, let's dig in there. You're afraid of the cost yeah. or you're afraid of them cutting you when you kiss her goodnight? What is the what are you what? No. So <laughs> I, I uh as a kid, I had a lot of bad dentist and orthodontist experiences. Mm-hmm. Um and so I have turned into the adult who when I go to the dentist once every 15 years and they're like you need a filling, I'm like give me the laughing gas or just knock me out entirely. Um, and when our kids have gone to the dentist, I am off. Like I, I couldn't watch Lyra get fillings. I almost passed out. <laughs> and God. so now Alia is like, Dan, just don't come to the dentist with us. You're not helping. That worked out for um, you. Yeah. But so Harper is getting these braces. And, you know, when we were kids, you would, if you had braces, often you would have that like headgear that you would wear. Then that would be the thing that while you were sleeping, it would be like gently tugging on your teeth to slowly spread them apart. Um, now apparently that's like less common and what Harper has instead is this in mouth extender and it's a thing that's actually underneath her, the roof of her mouth and it's connected up to the braces that are on her teeth. And every weekday we are supposed to stick this little tool into her mouth, into the apparatus. It looks like a tiny little Allen wrench and you like just twist it a quarter turn each day and it slowly expands her bite and ah, just saying it makes me like want to barf. Uh, and so Harper and Alia have now showed me how to do this like five times. And each time I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what to do. I don't understand it. And sort of it's cause I don't exactly see how it works, but also it's cause I am afraid of reaching into my kid's mouth and twisting like a screw that wrenches her teeth apart because I don't want to be unorthodontist. I just don't want to do it. Um, and you don't want to no, hurt her? I don't. I just it, – it gives me the creeps and I don't like it and I don't want to do it. Okay. So no okay. Offense, You're no offense a to any orthodontists out there <laughs> I don't are listening. like it and I'm not going to do it. I am throwing a tantrum. I feel very childish. I, yeah. So it feels like a huge fail. Yeah. Like there's this thing that my – that like it doesn't even really bother Harper and it certainly doesn't bother Alia. But like I can't take it. I get like body horror out of it and I <laughs> – can't stand it. We just went to the dentist with all three kids, and the dentist said, you should start saving now for braces. <laughs> and I was like, I, okay, like that's obviously not going to happen. I was like, is there, do you see something in there? And he was like, no, but the kids are all going to need braces. And that just scared the crap. That scared me. Good fail, I've I guess. Come to weird terms fail. With- I don't really know what to say. I have no advice. It's a very weird fail. Yeah, I, I, weird fail. I mean, uh, really, the only thing to do is like pop a Xanax every morning. <laughs> okay. What's yours? Uh, so Sam has been begging me all year to go on his, uh, on a class field trip as working parents know, sometimes it can be hard to do this. But last week I asked our boss for the morning off and went with a bunch of four-year-olds, four-year-olds and five-year-olds to this place called the Great Swamp, which is a cool wildlife refuge in New Jersey. Uh, so we literally a swamp with like bubbling and cattails and not really no not exactly uh but so we were hiking as a group and with this tour guide and having a great time we're walking on one of those like raised wooden boardwalks um and the swamp was down below when sam tripped and fell into the swamp oh my god and what did i do I said, holy shit, and then I got down on my knees on the wooden boardwalk and stretched my arm out and yelled, Sam, like over and over again, yelled, Sam, give me your arm, give me your arm. (laughs) And while I was doing that, another mom, we'll call her Mary, she jumped into the swamp and pulled Sam out, which 
had not occurred. It didn't even occur to me <laughs> to do that. Like I did not even consider yeah. getting into getting mad. I was just like, why won't you extend your hand to mine? Yeah. So I felt like a total asshole afterwards. She was like, you know, her her shoes were all muddy, and she was incredibly nice about it. She didn't do anything to like brag or rub it in my face, but I still felt like I just felt like I was so embarrassed that I didn't jump in myself. And she was the hero of the day. And then the next day, Sam's teacher sent a weekly newsletter to all the parents in the class, which she always does. And the opening read, word on the street, I'm using this, or let's pretend this woman's name is Mary, and, and her daughter's name is uh, Joanne. Word on the street is that Joanne's mom, Mary, is a true superhero. If you haven't already heard, well, at the Great Swamp, <laughs> Sam lost his footing and landed in the swamp, and Mary a.k.a. Superwoman, jumped in and saved the day. And then there's, like, underneath are pictures from the from the field trip, and there's just a picture of me, like, hanging out in the background. So everyone, <laughs> if they didn't know, if they didn't already know that, like, parents who didn't attend the field trip, if they wondered, like, oh, her, that's so nice of Mary because Allison must not have been there. Now they know I was there. Ah, that's an amazing story. But, nice. Allison, I feel like it takes a village, Allison. <laughs> To save it your clearly does side. obviously it does. What if we had been there alone? <laughs> I would uh, still be sitting there screaming for him to give me his arm. Harry, God, just <laughs> give me your arm. Sam, it's, Sam. it's the next day already. Let's go. Uh, no, you would have eventually rescued him. I mean, Did I should ever... say in my defense, he wasn't actually like you know. It was just some he mud. He wasn't like right, he was slowly not sinking, sinking above his yeah, head. I think I would have probably. I've got, I have gotten into the pool before in my clothes to like grab a kid. So I'm right. not completely dysfunctional. But yeah, that was bad. So it seems like your goal for the rest of the school year is to push. show the fuck off, show off. No, be yeah, super no, well, it's to put Joanne in some kind of mortal danger <laughs> that you can then save her right, from. Right, exactly. In front of Mary. <laughs> okay. What could go wrong? What time do you put your kids to bed? It's a question we've all asked other parents, hoping to understand where our own family bedtime routines fit into the norm, or maybe trolling a little so as to judge another parent as either completely negligent for letting her kids stay up till God knows when, or way too tightly wound for putting his kid to bed when it's still light outside. Slate's parenting columnist, Melinda Wenner-Moyer, knows all about being judged for her bedtime rules. But she also knows about what the science says when it comes to sleep and what's healthiest for our kids. She wrote a great piece for Slate called In Defense of Absurdly Early Bedtimes, and she's joining us today to talk about it. Hey, Melinda. Hello. So Defend yourself. (laughs) No, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to that and the science also, (laughs) emotion and science and judgment, uh, let's quickly go around and just give a quick rundown of our respective families' bedtime routines. So, Melinda, you go first. Without without explaining yourself, just say what you guys do. Okay. My five-year-old boy goes to bed at 7.30 every night. I think we make exceptions like three times a year. And I have a 22-month-old who is usually in bed by 6.45, although occasionally it's like more like 7, depending on how the night goes. But, but I want to know, backtrack, uh, before we move on to Dan, backtrack, just like, the, I, I think the routine starts like whatever, anything that happens after dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, every other night or so, we have bath time, and they take a bath together. That's usually at like 6.15 or 6.30, and it's usually pretty quick. Um, And then the kids get out, uh, and usually they're screaming by one of them. And then I read a couple of books to my daughter after we get her PJs on. 
And sometimes my son is there lurking, you know, trying to cause trouble. Other times he's in his room doing God knows what. And then I put my 22-month-old to bed at, yeah, around 6.45, 7 o'clock some nights. And then after that, I usually read a couple books to my five-year-old, and he's in bed by 7.30. Okay, Dan. Uh, bedtime is 8.30. That means that at 8.30, we start telling our kids that they should consider thinking about maybe preparing for bed. Uh, everyone's usually in bed by like 9. Um, we read to Harper, and then she falls asleep a little bit after that. Lyra often, if she's not that tired, will read for an hour or more and then eventually fall asleep in, or in bed with like usually on top of a book. Um, that is on weeknights. On weekends, bedtime is like usually like 9.30. It's summer. Bedtime is whenever. Okay. And my quick one is like, yeah, we usually – the kids watch a show after after dinner from like 7 to 7.30 and then we do baths and showers and then – I read to Wally, the three-year-old, uh, and put him to bed around 8, and then I read to the other guys, and bedtime is supposed to be at 8.45, and they get in bed at 8.45, and then, yeah, Harry reads for a long time uh, and falls asleep around 9.30, I think. Okay. It's really so. remarkable how you guys are wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> uh, well, I'm somewhere in the middle, but, okay, Melinda, why do you put your kids to bed so early? Well, um, Okay, for my five-year-old, it's, I think it's honestly to, like, retain my sanity as, as much as anything else. I mean, I go to bed pretty early. I'm, I go to bed at, like, 10, and I really need time without them in the evening. So that's, like, that's actually a really big part of it. Um, you know, I want to, like, have a conversation with my husband and have a glass of wine and, like, not have to deal with them. But um, we... I mean, he's been going to bed around that time. God, I don't really know since he was a baby. I mean, since, you know, you start having a, a schedule with a baby and it just kind of worked. So we never really messed with it. I think it's been 730 since he like was like a year old and he's always been a good sleeper. We've been incredibly lucky. So, so we just kind of stuck with that. But with our daughter, we, we had some more issues. There's, a, there's definitely a reason she goes to bed earlier, which is that about a year ago, she was going to bed, I think, at like 7.15 or, or 7.30, and she just started waking up every morning at 5 o'clock, and it was hell. And I didn't, I was like, oh, my God, like, what do we do? Do we put her to bed later? Is she getting enough, you know, maybe she doesn't need that much sleep? And so we, like, tried putting her to bed later, and it didn't help. And I had a friend, um, a high school friend, who is actually, she's now a sleep consultant, and, and she was quoted in my piece. I knew she knew a lot about kids' sleep, and I was like, Ariel my daughter is waking up at 5 a.m. and it's driving us nuts. We don't know what to do. And she said, okay. And she asked us about like, when does she nap? And you know, when does she go to bed? When does she wake up, et cetera. And, um, and she was like, okay, she needs to go to bed earlier. <laughs> and my husband and I were like, you're kidding, right? Cause she's just going to wake up at four if we put her to bed earlier. And she's like, no, I think she's overtired. And when they're overtired, kids can wake up early, they sort of rouse, they have a light sleep in the early morning. And because they're the like hormones kick in cortisol and stuff, they, when they wake up and sort of are half awake at 5am, they can't go back to sleep. And so they're just up. Whereas like kids who are pretty well rested will sort of half wake up, you know, sometimes at five, but then go right back to sleep. 
So she said, okay, put her to bed at like six o'clock if she has a short nap. And I was like, you're insane. And we did it. And it took, we did it for like a week before we saw results. And, and we really did think she was crazy. And then all of a sudden she started sleeping later and it was a miracle. And so we've kind of played around. I mean, six o'clock is not really easy to, to do on a regular basis, but at the time I think we were on vacation, so it was a little easier. And we've kind of just fiddled with it. We've had to push it back for various reasons. I mean, my work schedule and stuff, but we found that like, as long as she goes to bed by seven, then she will usually sleep past six. And that's kind of, that's like six is sort of the boundary between, you know, what I can handle and what I can't. So so we found with her, it really helped. So that's why we do it. And then for this piece, you looked into the science beyond what your friend had told you, right? And, and what, did, what did you find? Yeah, I had, I didn't, I had no idea. I mean, I, I knew that obviously how, you know, kids getting, getting more sleep is better for kids. I mean, that's kind of something I feel like everybody understands, but I didn't realize there's kind of an independent effect of bedtime on how well kids do. And so bed, you know, going to bed earlier, they found, um, researchers have found that, that kids are um, better behaved the next day. They're more alert. You know, they can do various like cognitive tasks more accurately. Um, and there's also a relationship between when kids go to bed and their metabolic health. And so the, the later kids go to bed, the more likely they are to be obese. I mean, a lot of this research is really hard to interpret because it's associations. So, you know, kids who go to bed later and get less sleep, there may be a lot of reasons that they go to bed later and get less sleep that don't, that don't, you know, aren't necessarily causing all of the problems that are associated with going to bed later and getting less sleep. But, but the associations are pretty consistent. Um, and there have been some experiments where researchers have actually, um, you know, taken a group of kids and, and split them up into groups and had, you know, one set of kids go to bed an hour earlier for a week and one set of kids go to bed an hour later and sort of, and then tested them during the day to see how, you know, they acted and what their teachers said about them and found that the kids who were given an hour more sleep really did, you know, behave better at school and perform better on tests and, um, and generally, you know, just got more sleep. So even though they, they were put to bed earlier, they didn't wake up a ton earlier either. So they... They kind of needed the sleep. So, yeah, that, I didn't know about any of this and, um, and was pretty surprised. And, and I was like, okay, that's awesome because it happens to work for our family that we put them to bed early. Um, so do you not feel like – does it not drive you crazy to be the parent who is at, always and forever? <laughs> like, see ya, I'm out of here at 7 o'clock. No, we're not staying yeah. to have fun. Uh, no, I can't go out with you at 730. My kid's already asleep. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it certainly sucks sometimes. And I do feel like, I mean, in our like circle of friends, we are always the first to leave parties. <laughs> and sometimes it's like just when some of the other families have arrived with their kids. Right. And Dan's. Like, what? That's when Dan gets there. Dan's yeah. there. That's what, well, we're the, we usually get there at like 10. <laughs> our kids in yeah, yeah. We'd be long, long gone. Um, yeah. I mean, it does, it, 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 it does put a, damper on our social lives. But I mean, we, we just try to like go to things early and we don't, sometimes we skip things altogether, I guess, but I don't know when we, when we have our own parties, we have them really early and then, and, and so we can still have fun. 
No. It, it, well, I mean, that is nice that people who come to your parties can then go to an entirely different party <laughs> after your party. I know. We're being actually very thoughtful. But so here's my question about this is that – and you address this a little bit in the piece and I think it's worth noting for our listeners too is like what do you do if you are a family where both parents work outside of the house – and yeah. you don't get home from work till 7.30. Like, I, that's basically the scenario in our house. And I don't feel willing to make our to make the only time I spend with my kids, like, tucking them into bed. That's a really big issue. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have this, the schedule that I have so that I can make it work. And that's not the case for so many parents. And so, I, br- I mean, I did bring this up with the experts that I interviewed. And I said, you know, I some parents just can't do this. Like, what do you say to them? And they said, well, um, <laughs> you know, yes, no, a lot of parents can't make like a 7.30 PM bedtime work or even an eight or an 8.30, but is there any, you know, is there anything you can do to sort of move it back even 15 or 15 or 20 minutes? And if you can, those 15 or 20 minutes can actually make like a huge difference. Um, I think there have been some studies showing that even like, yeah, I, I remember reading there was one study where the, like kids were, the difference in sleep time between two groups of kids was something like 22 minutes a night, but there were huge differences in how well they um, performed or, you know, how, how they behaved the next day. And so even like small amounts can make a difference. And they said, you know, if there's anything you can do to sort of streamline the bedtime process or the pre-bedtime process, once you get home a few minutes can really help. But I mean, obviously you can't necessarily put your kids to bed at seven thirty. I mean, or, or if you do, you're, you have other sacrifices. I mean, my husband never, he basically never sees the kids during the week because of his commute. And, you know, he leaves at six thirty in the morning before they're awake and he comes home at seven thirty or eight and maybe occasionally like once a week, he'll tuck our five-year-old into bed but that's it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's weekends basically. And that, and that does suck. I mean, that's got its own kind of costs associated with it. Why do you guys think, uh, or maybe you don't think, but I do. Why do you guys think bedtime is one of those sort of parent culture war issues? Like why do we care what time other parents put their kids to bed? It, we, it totally is. And we totally do. And I want to know what Melinda has heard from people and why she thinks, yeah, I want to hear what she thinks about this. Yeah, it's a really polarizing issue. I think everything having to do with kids and sleep is, um, and you know, people have strong opinions in in every you know on every facet of this. And I think there is some. I mean, I think there's some idea that you know, if you that good parents will do things a certain way, whether it's. I mean, and and that definition differs depending on what type of parent you are. I mean, some, some will say the best thing you can do for your kids is cry it out. And others will say that's the worst thing you can do. And, and with bedtimes, I think, you know, there, there is some belief among some parents that, you know, if you let your kids stay up late, you're not being a good parent. And I've also heard people say, I think, you know, not letting your kids do the activities that other kids do, that's a, a problem. I mean, that that's not good for them. I think it has to do with like what we think our roles are as parents and, and, you know, what's best for our kids. And people have just like very, very, and, and people feel judged. I mean, with my article, I, I was really, I, I don't feel very comfortable writing columns in which I'm already doing the thing that I'm saying people should do because I realize that I come across as kind of like a smug asshole. And so that makes me uncomfortable. I, I, you know, I, I want to present what the research says and, and say like, this is what looks to be kind of, the best approach according to science, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that parents who don't do it should feel judged. But, but how do you, how do you separate those two things too? You know, how do you not make. Definitely. Because and parents, I think especially feel judged about this because it's a thing they could change. It's not like other parenting things where there's like, you know, there's no way that I, that my family could do some of the things that supposedly make family life better. Like we don't have the money to do them or we don't have the kind of house that allows you to do them. But pretty much every family could put their kids to bed earlier. It's just inconvenient or annoying to do so. And so to be told that this thing you don't want to do because it's inconvenient or annoying would definitely be better for your kids it feels like an attack because you know that actually you're just too lazy or whatever to accomplish that thing. <laughs> it also plays really nicely into the like division, you know, the tension between like, are you a laid back, chill yeah. parent? Yeah, right. Uh, totally. Or like a tense, you know, type A parent. A uh, helicopter mom hovering over her sleeping children at 730. You know what would get our kids to bed earlier? If they would what? stop dawdling and delaying, that would cut a good 15 it's minutes. Totally it's not us, fault. it's yeah. them. Okay. It's probably their fault. Listeners, check out Melinda's piece. We'll put it on our Facebook page in defense of absurdly early bedtimes and tell us what you think and what time you put your kids to bed. Thanks, Melinda. Thank you for having me. I guess for me, it comes down to like, we have made sort of a conscious decision, I guess really an unconscious decision in our family that it is more important to us to like forge the connections and have the fun even at the the accepted and we accept the cost that comes with it. And in many cases, the cost is our kids are going to be assholes the next day because we kept them up too late or our kids don't get the kind of sleep they should get. But in the same way that I'm like the kind of person who's like willing to drive five hours for three hours of fun. I am the guy who is willing to like make my kids grumpy the next morning because we're having a really good time the night before. Yeah. And I mean that I, I recognize it's not a reasonable decision necessarily, but it's the one that feels like us. Well, that's kind of like the weekend. That's the weekend calculus. During the week, are you really having that much fun being up until 9 o'clock with your kids or are you yelling at them? <laughs> We're, we'd have nothing but fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on. Mom and Dad are Fighting is brought to you by Bull and Branch. Uh, as listeners might know, I recently wrote a story for uh, another magazine about the culture of swimming pools in Iceland. And those amazing outdoor pools are one reason that Iceland is better than the U.S., but one reason – the U.S. is better than Iceland, is that we believe in the power of sheets. Icelanders, like many Europeans, don't even use top sheets at all on adult beds. Many of them don't even put covers on their duvets. It's just like you in a bed sweating into a big hot duvet with nothing else, and it's total insanity. But clean, fresh sheets are a human right. And if you want really great, comfy, fair trade certified, fresh, soft sheets at a great price, you want bowlandbranch.com. Go online to bowl, that's B-O-L-L, and branch.com, and they will let you try their sheets risk-free for 30 nights. It gets even better. If you go to bowlandbranch.com today, you will get 20% off your entire order as a mom and dad or fighting listener. You can get sheets, towels, blankets, duvet covers, like a civilized person, everything, plus free shipping. Go to bowlandbranch.com today for 20% off your entire order and use promo code MOMANDDAD. That's bowlandbranch.com, promo code MOMANDDAD. All right, back to the show. Okay, on to our listener call. If you have a dilemma you want us to solve for you, and we will 100% guaranteed solve it, give us a call. 424-255-7833. That's 424-255-RUDE. Before we get to today's question, though, however, 
confidential to the woman who called us worried about jury duty. As someone who had just had to serve grand jury duty for a year, I understand your concern. But even if you just have to go in for the first day, you'll only need to get child care for a couple of hours. Pretty much any jurisdiction will excuse you immediately if you are the sole caretaker for young children. You'll be okay. Have courage and faith. America. Now, today's listener call is from listener Oceana. Take it away. Um, I have a one- and a three-year-old boy, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with them in the fall. My mother-in-law has been wonderfully providing uh, free child care twice a week, and then we've been paying for it the other two days a week that I work. My husband works as well. But in the fall, we're going to have to pay for the four days a week that we need child care. And my uh, younger son will be 18 months. My older will be three and a half. So they can both ostensibly go to the same preschool. But in researching the options, they're all really expensive. They all seem to be the exact same price, and they all seem to be the exact same price as the wonderful nannies that we have now that could also just keep taking care of them. Um, my three-year-old is really smart and advanced, and I think he could use some um, extra intellectual stimulation. But other than that, I just wanted to get your thoughts on keep them with nannies for a little bit longer, send one, send them, my older one to preschool and my baby with the nanny, send them both to preschool, and that's it. Thanks so much. I mean, it sounds to me like the option C, which is send one to preschool and keep one home with a nanny, is the, I mean, that I know from experience is the most expensive option. So I don't know what your, you know, what your circumstances are, but I'm going to put that, I'm going to take that one off the table, even though it's what uh, we have done before, uh, because it stinks to pay so much money. Um, I would vote for, I mean, the three and a half year old, I think as a mom right now who's three, almost three and a half year old has been home. Uh, Wally is home with with a nanny. um, And I think he would do better if he was in school. I think it would make more sense to send them both to this preschool. The little guy will be totally fine. And the um, your older one, your older son will get so much more out of it. um, So much more out of his day by being in school with other kids. It also becomes really hard. I think at that age, like there are a lot of like classes that your nanny can take your eight month, eighteen month old to even you know your two year old, two and a half year old, but between like three and four, everyone starts going to school. And I found like Wally goes to these classes with our nanny, and there's really no one his age there, just like not a lot of kids. Uh, so I vote, I vote full preschool. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with you that you need to that the option where they're in different places. I feel like you should just take that off the table immediately. Immediately, like. We make we made at that age we made all our decisions based completely on convenience. So if in any circumstance there was a way to have both our kids in the same place, we chose that because it just makes everything easier. It makes life easier. It's also also has a benefit of being slightly cheaper, probably in this case. Um, and I agree with you. I'm a big big proponent of getting kids out of the house and in some kind of school environment, especially around this age. I think it really benefits the kids. I think it probably benefits both your kids to get out and meet some other kids and do some stuff. But also, uh, it solves a problem that we really had when our kids were that age, uh, or at least gives you a way into solving that problem, which is it was really hard to meet parent friends. Like, you know, we were not the ones at the playground all the time because we were working all the time. And when we did have a nanny, she would take them to the playground. So it was great that our nanny made friends with other nannies, but we didn't make friends with other parents. Um, and getting your kids into a school where there's then a parent community and people for you to meet and hang out with is a way to make the friends that 
you will begin to make as you sort of make this journey through the school years for your kids to make friends with other kids and for you to make friends with their parents. And there are still friends that Lyra has now that we met when she was a three and a half or four year old in her first Washington DC area preschool. And they're still really close friends now, her and those kids and us and those parents. And those are the first really formative parent friendships we made and they matter and they're important. And they were like a lifeline when we were feeling very like, Oh my God, it's just us. What are we, how are we going to meet people? So get them, get them in school. Uh, I just want to push back on one thing in terms of convenience. I will say that if your kids are both in school and one of them is sick, then and you don't have a you know you don't have a sitter at home a nanny at home, then you have to figure out you know who's going to stay home that day or if like school is only a half day or whatever. I mean, it is inc- actually incredibly, uh, I'd say, convenient if you have um, full time childcare at your house and then also sure. send the other one to school. It's just <laughs> like I said, extremely expensive. Right, and I mean, and I guess the counter argument to that would be. That's not the way it's going to be for the whole rest of your life is that your kids will be in school and that if there's a problem, you have to face that problem. And I think it's worth it to start facing those problems a little early in exchange for the benefits you get from getting your kids out of your house and getting them in an environment with other kids and getting you in an environment with other parents. Okay, great. Thanks for the call. Listeners, please, we want to hear from you. 424-255-7833. Mom and Dad are Fighting is also brought to you by Little Passports. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with Little Passports. This award-winning educational subscription sends you monthly packages in the mail, each featuring a new country or world theme. Packages are addressed to your child and are filled with letters, souvenirs, stickers, activities, and more. It's a fun way for kids to learn about geography and cultures around the globe. We actually have the world map hanging in Wally's bedroom right now, and his new delay tactic before bedtime is to ask me, just as I'm closing the door and extracting myself from his room, to point to where we live and point to where Grammy lives and on and on and on. But despite that... Little Passports is great. Uh, Mom and Dad are fighting listeners can save 40% on their first month of Little Passports today with the code MOMANDDAD. That's M-O-M-A-N-D-D-A-D. So learn more and take a peek inside the monthly packages at littlepassports.com slash momanddad. Okay. All right. Let's move on to our second topic, the summer pinky swear. The what? All right. The summer pinky swear. It's an amazing fact for you today, Allison. Did you know that today is the first sunny day in Washington since 2013? I've heard. After 700 consecutive days of rain, we finally have a beautiful, sunny summer day. And it made me think every summer, I think to myself at the beginning of the of the season, I'm going to make this the best summer ever. I'm going to spend so much quality time with my kids. We're going to do stuff outside. We're going to do fun, creative stuff. And then Labor Day comes, and I'm like, ah, I just watched baseball and worked all summer. That's what I did. So this year, I'm going to institute some accountability in this family. I'm going to make some public summer pinky swears, and I'm making Allison do it too. Are you ready? We are I'm each going out to my pinky. pinky swear. Good. Hold up your pinky. We are going to pinky swear three things that we will accomplish this summer. And every episode for the next few months, we'll check up on each other and publicly shame ourselves if we are not following up on these pinky swears, we want you, our listeners, to make some pinky swears, too, on our Facebook page. Here is summer pinky swear number one for me. Ready? Ready. I will play tennis with Lyra or Harper once a week. So my kids are both, like, interested in tennis. They have sometimes taken tennis lessons. And I bet they would love to play tennis with me, but I, like, never, ever, ever do it, even though I would love them to be good at tennis because I would love to play with them someday 
in the future when they're good. But I have as yet been unwilling to put in the work that a parent must put in if he wants his children to eventually get good at tennis and play with them even though they're bad at tennis right now because I'm really lazy. But I pinky swear that I will play tennis with a kid at least once per week this summer. Allison, what is your summer pinky swear number one? Until you injure yourself. Until I will, I feel reasonably certain that of all the things I could do this summer that might injure myself, playing tennis against eight and eleven year olds is not one of them. Okay, so before I get to my summer pinky swear number one, of course, I have I have a comment about this sure. new tradition. Uh, sure. I, I, one great thing about moving out of the city and into the burbs is that the pressure to go away and rent a house all the time and do these amazing summer things, which you feel really acutely in the city, or I did, is really not there anymore. So although I do want to commit to these things and I do want to do great things with my kids this summer, I also want to just enjoy chilling out at home and going to the pool and throwing the football around. I do not want to be part of a summer fun arms race. I am against that. That being it's said, okay. Some of these pinky swears can be about ways of relaxation that are important to you. That is true, but, but none of mine are. Yet none of, none of mine are. <laughs> okay. Summer pinky swear number one is I would like to leave work early on Friday nights and get John to do the same in order to get home in time to take the kids to the pool or have dinner in town almost every Friday night. We talked about this last summer when we moved to the suburbs. We felt like, I don't know why, it just felt more like a thing to do there, like everyone's out. A lot of, I mean, I think maybe that feels like there are more stay-at-home moms or maybe parents who like work close by and within New Jersey and get home. But whenever I get home at seven o'clock, even in the winter, uh, which is my normal get home time, I feel really bad. Like everybody's out with their kids and we just don't do that. And summer seems like the ideal time to do that. We don't have summer Fridays anymore in this industry, but it's like sort of, you know, it was an old tradition and I don't think I can leave half day every Friday, but I'd like to try to get home by like 530 Every Friday. That's a great pinky swear. It's good to do that in the summer because then you have six, seven hours before bedtime. Right, right, right. Well, no, but it's daylight out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, What Uh, I don't want to do is promise my kids I'm going to do this and then like say something came up at work, which is what I do. Well, luckily, neither your kids kids nor your husband (laughs) listens to this podcast, so we'll never know about this pinky swear. Okay. Uh, What's your number two? Summer pinky swear number two for Dan and the Smith Coises. So I looked at a map and there are five. Virginia State Parks within a one-hour drive of our house. Every single one of them looks beautiful. They have canoeing and boating and hiking and activities and games and summer festivals. Um, so my pinky swear is that our family will visit all five of them before Labor Day, and each one will do something that is fun for me, like a hike, and something that is actually fun for the kids, uh, like, I don't know, whatever the hell it is they like. We'll have to figure that out. We're going to do that at each one. So before Labor Day, we're going to visit all five of those Virginia State Parks that are within a one-hour drive of our house. That's a great one. Mine is somewhat uh, related. Summer pinky swear number two, but it's kind of up in the up in the ante a little, is to go camping with the kids. We've been talking like about doing actual this. camping? Real camping, overnight camping, in a tent, not just a dad and Harry trip, but the whole family. Go camping. Wow. That is really ambitious. Have you ever... <laughs> Have you personally ever gone camping overnight in a tent before? Mm, yes, but not oh. as a as a kid. I have yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. But I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing, and neither does John. <laughs> but we really want to do it. Uh, we're so like, summer we're pinky swear now. two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Summer pinky swear number two A should be to make sure you tell 
someone where you're going right. when you're planning right. to be Maybe back. we'll meet you. Maybe we'll go to one of those national parks near your... That'd be great. Yeah. Come on. Come and then on you guys can just to... leave <laughs> when it gets to uh, well, <laughs> Lyra Harper, you're going to stay with Auntie Allison for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Summer Pinky Swear number three. Uh, this is a leisure-related one and a community-building one. Um, and it's a little bit related to yours. We will get together with uh, neighbor friends and their kids every Friday that we are in town this summer. Uh, and while we are together hanging out with them, whether it's in our yard or in their yard or at the pool or at a park or wherever, I will drink at least two alcoholic beverages each time. That is my pinky swear. I find that often I'm not able to do this because I'm working late on some stupid Friday or because we just like forget to get it together. And then on Friday afternoon, we like didn't make any plans. But I commit to making these plans, getting together with neighbors and friends and drinking two beers and or any other alcoholic beverage uh, on a Friday afternoon and evening. It's interesting that we both have these, like, let's start the weekend on Friday, early Friday evening plans. I'm, I would love to hear from our listeners if they, like, do that or how they manage that with their jobs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next summer, it's going to be Thursdays. Right. Start our weekends on Thursdays. <laughs> right. right. Uh, okay. My summer pinky swear number three uh, sort of goes against everything I said in my preamble to this whole thing, which is that I want to do more weekend day trips. Uh, basically, I want to like know what it means, the whole like down the shore thing. Although everyone in the br- suburbs is much more chill and there's not a lot of pressure to go to the Hamptons or whatever, everyone does go to like go down the shore for the day. It's just what, you know, wherever. I don't even know where. Asbury Park, I don't know where they go. I got to figure that out. It takes a lot to motivate John to do stuff like that, like a lot uh, but I would like. Is that to be because he it. he just hates being at the beach, or is it that? Well, he, he doesn't like the beach. Get started. He doesn't like the beach, and he just like doesn't. Li- he just wants to like. He just likes to be. <laughs> he does. He's not a real go do a lot of stuff kind of guy. So he's then it comes down to me to motivate that, and I'm not. It doesn't necessarily come naturally to me, and I also feel a lot of pressure, and I like to please people. So I don't want it will like ruin it for me if we go somewhere and it's not fun. But anyway, all that being said. We're going. We're going down the shore a lot. We're going down the Summer shore. Summer picking we, we'll number swear number three out. is several yeah. trips down the shore. Uh, where you will definitely not ruin everything by your husband being upset, overthinking, and being disappointed it. Yes. by the experience, yeah. monitoring. Uh, I'm always very impressed by people who pull off day trips to the beach. Yeah, I think that that is a that is a high level of difficulty day mm-hmm. trip. It requires a lot of forethought. It requires early departure because otherwise you're going to have the whole trip like shadowed by the fact that you didn't get a good spot and it's already crowded by the time you get there and you yep. had to park so far away. So it's ambitious. I like this ambitious choice. I'm going to hold you to it, to this pinky swear as I expect you to hold me to my pinky swears. Um, and I wish you the best of luck. I think that you are setting yourself up for many wonderful activities and experiences this summer, as am I, and probably a couple of fails. But luckily, we have an outlet to discuss those fails uh, with people who listen to us. So. Uh, great. I wish you luck as well. I am now lowering Thanks. my pinky. My, my pinky was pinky up that entire time. Mine too. Uh, okay. So listeners who have also had your pinkies up this entire time, um, what are your summer pinky swears? Let us know on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Um, please type with one or preferably both pinkies in the air. Uh, and we will read some of our favorite self guarantees, self promises, summer pinky swears on next week's show. All right. Let's move on to recommendations. Allison, what you got? 
My recommendation is a little stale, um, but I forgot to mention this. Uh, did is we it ever Hamilton? This? <laughs> no. Uh, but you're right. Hamilton is stale. Yeah. Uh, burn. 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 Take your seat. kids to work day. I want to recommend taking your kids to, ca- to take your kids to work day. I had never done this before. We celebrated it. What day was it? Whatever. The day that Obama said it was take your kids to work day. Slate. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. Uh, we actually, I don't think Slate wasn't doing anything, but uh, John's work was, and they made like a really big deal about it, and it was super fun for the kids. Uh, and I was like, hey, can I bring my kids here too? Because they're going to John's work, and I want to show them that their mother also works. Uh, and everyone was like, yeah, sure. And then other people decided to bring their kids too. And then we did, we did have like a little, we planned a little bit. We got snacks. Uh, you know, there were there were gummies, I will say, uh, but. It was really fun, and I wish. I hope next year we make a bigger deal about it at Slate. And I would encourage you, listeners, if you don't do it already, to like try to get your workplaces to make it like actually like a planned fun day for your kids with activities and uh, take your kids, let them skip school. It was super fun. At NPR, take your kids to work day resulted in a minute of dead airtime to multiple West Coast. Uh, affiliates due to some kid flipping a switch in the control room. I know. And like the uh, way that they, the story I read about it was like the NPR quote was like, kids pressed a button. Like they have no idea right. what happened, you know? There's a single button yeah. that you can press that just does that. Or like a series also, of buttons and they just like press right. them in the right order amazingly. Also in the middle of the photos of NPR were our former colleague Will Dobson with his kids. And the real answer is that Will Dobson definitely caused that thing to happen. <laughs> if your um, kids can like bring down your workplace for one full minute, isn't it worth it? Right. It feels worth it to me. <laughs> uh, next year, Take Your Kids to Work Day will be really fun because under President Trump, every day will be Take Your Kids to Work Day. Uh, I, my recommendation, first of all, Allison, I want to notify you that a recent recommendation of yours was an incredible hit Woo! in my house. Yes. And for Mystery Reader Day in Harper's class, the book with no pictures by B.J. Novak. Um, if any of our listeners are ever stuck in a situation where you have to read a book to a rambunctious group of third graders, you cannot go wrong with the yeah. book with no pictures by yeah. B.J. Novak. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation is a movie that was a huge hit with our kids. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a classic of our childhood that I had not really thought about in conjunction with my own kids. But then the other Friday, like many Fridays, uh, like I'm trying to avoid for the summer, we like had not gotten it together with plans and we didn't have anything to do. And we're like, all right, movie night. And I asked on Twitter, what movie should we watch? And I got a million great suggestions, many of which I'm going to take up in the future. But several people suggested Ferris Bueller. And I thought, geez, I don't know. Like, would my kids like that? Is it too old? And or is it too old for them? Uh, but we tried it and the kids loved it. Um, it was a huge hit. They particularly loved it because the movie has a real air of like mischief and trouble about it. Like there are tons of swears and a kid skips school and principal Ed Rooney gets like attacked by a dog. Um, but it is actually fundamentally very innocent and basically harmless. It's an extremely harmless story with unbelievably low stakes. Uh, and so it wasn't, it didn't like provoke anxiety in our kids. They just like couldn't believe that we were letting them watch something like this. Um, so I think that, you know, listeners trying to figure out if this is a good movie for your kids, it depends on, I guess, how you feel about swears in movies. I don't give a shit about swears in movies. Uh, maybe you do. But in general, it is hard to imagine any group of like fifth graders not finding this movie like the highlight of a family movie night or a sleepover or something like that. 
Also, one thing that was really great about watching it with my kids was that they have the proper emotional response to the movie, which is to feel bad for Cam and think <laughs> that Ferris is mean to Cam. That's the right response. Yeah. Uh, that's a great recommendation. I, yeah, I can't think of any reason not to show that to to your kids. We just watched Hoosiers, which, uh, I mean, it's a little, there's a little bit more darkness in that because there's the Dennis Hopper drunk character, uh, right. which we had to talk about a little bit. But yeah, no sex, just some swears. Yeah. Which we were fine with. Great. It's also a really great sort of surprise family movie. Part, part of my kids getting older that has been really nice is realizing we are now at the point where family movies are not always like animated. And I really love animated movies. As you know, I write about them and talk about them all the time uh, and have very strong feelings about them. But it is fun to like start to explore this entire other universe of movies. Uh, and there are so many of them out there. So that has been great. Okay, that is our show. Visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fighting. Send us an email at momanddadatslate.com to suggest guests or topics and tell us about your bedtime routine. Mom and Dad are Fighting is part of the Panoply Network. Check out Panoply's full roster of shows at itunes.com slash panoply. Thanks to our producer, Ann Hepperman. Thanks to Steve Lichtai, the managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Andy Bowers, head of Panoply. Thanks to our guest, Melinda Wenner-Moyer. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Allison. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.